gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Good people. We are back. Truth Prescription Podcast, episode number 27. And to steal from my guest today, I am your humble host, (laughs) Dr. Sekou Gathers. And we're here on the Truth Prescription Podcast. I have today the pleasure of interviewing uh, Alex Ferrari. How are you, Alex? How you doing, man? That was very good, by the way. Very good. <laughs> very good. You stole that from me. I appreciate right. that. No problem. No problem. <laughs> Listen, honor among thieves. Uh, <laughs> so for, I'm going to give uh, my listeners a little background on you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know, most people should know who you are because you're like all <laughs> over the place. Um, you know, you're like the hardest working man on the internet. You've got more, you know, most people, when I do, uh, interviews, I do a little research eh, it usually takes me about an hour or so. Dude, you had so, such a plethora, an overload <laughs> of data about you and about what you do on the internet. I just felt just, just lambasted like a blizzard of blizzard of data knocking me down anyway. So Alex, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. I, uh, I, 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 I do, I do, uh, I do occasionally jump on the, on the web. <laughs> occasionally. Hilarious. Occasionally, occasionally I log on. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right. So, all right guys. So Alex, uh, has been in, uh, the film industry of film business for 20 years. Uh, fellow New Yorker, grew up in Queens, and uh, he sort of got his start. He watched, went went to go see E.T. as a kid and sort of caught the bug and then went home and tried to write a script. Um, later on, as a teenager, he, while working at a video store, amassed a collection of over 3,000 VHS tapes, which he not only watched, but he studied, became a filmmaker, was working in films, doing a lot of work, VFX work and other things. And then five years ago, uh, he had his twin daughters and he decided to leave the business and open up uh, among the strange things, an oil and vinegar <laughs> tasting shop, <laughs> which Damn, he, man, there's <laughs> a lot of information about me on the Internet. Yes, there I'm gonna is. Go in there, I'm going to go in there and start cleaning some stuff up. <laughs> and he did that for three years. And um, uh, by his own admission, he said he felt his soul was gone. He felt beaten down by life and his soul was gone. So he had to get back to the films and eventually found his way back. And now um, he's worked on over a thousand feature films, short films, music videos, documentaries, to name a few. And as a director, his films have great stages at over 600 film festivals around the world. And obviously, the way that I came into contact with him is that he is the host of the Indie Film Hustle podcast, which started uh, July 2015. And he is now on episode number 234. And I think if this is you can correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but uh, at one point I know is the number one film uh, filmmaking podcast on iTunes. Does it still hold that uh, that ranking? It still it still holds that ranking. Amazing. Yes, uh, there's a there's there's a couple of podcasts ahead of me, okay. but those two aren't in the film business for whatever okay. reason. Okay. So uh, <laughs> they're right. they're like they you know they're hunting shows. I'm like, why is that here? iTunes. Right. right. Exactly. Um, 
But as far as as far as uh, a true filmmaking podcast, I am still currently number one. Number one. So very successful. And then last year, end of last year, uh, kudos to him as a true indie film hustler. Um, distribute uh, shot and distributed his own film called This Is Meg. Uh, was was bought by Hulu. So mm-hmm. uh, I know you're enjoying that Hulu check. And, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not, it's, it, trust me, it ain't a Netflix check, but I'll take it. <laughs> now, what does a Hulu check look like? Can you tell us? Can you tell it's, the indie it's, filmmaker? It's heavy. It's heavy, it but heavy. yet you, but you can lift it. Uh, while, the net, while the Netflix checks, you need two or three people to lift. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Got it. <laughs> Got it. But very, but I'm very grateful for what we got from Hulu, and it's been an absolute dream for a little micro budget feature film yeah. to get bought by a company like Hulu. It's, it was very, it was, it was a dream come true. And you know, the other thing I really liked about um, this is Meg was the fact that, uh, and uh, people that that know you and follow you probably know this, but people listening for the first time and that are filmmakers, um, this concept will sound strange, but a lot of the film was actually shot. Ex, uh, improv extemporaneously you know the mm-hmm. outline was written but people got into the scenes and just kind of went for it and i remember in the trailer when she's sitting there and she's like oh you know i think i'm going to go into something else maybe a prostitute and the guy's like they get no 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 he said the guy says maybe a prostitute and she's like no nah, they get too many diseases <laughs> and i started <laughs> cracking up but but after finding out i realized that was probably an improvised line right it was and so it's so amazing. So congrat, you know, congratulations to you for just doing something so out of the box and being successful. But now, why don't before we jump into the true prescription, why don't you tell us about your new film, which you shot at Sundance this year? Yeah, the new film uh, we shot this year is called uh, On the Corner of Ego and Desire. Okay. And is the first feature film, uh, to my knowledge, that has ever been shot with the Sundance Film Festival and Park City as the backdrop. Nice. Okay. And uh, I wanted to shoot a film. We shot in a, we shot it in record time. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it was pretty quick. And a feature. It's a full feature. No, it's a full feature. It's a wow. full feature film. It's a full feature film, not Amazing. a short. Amazing. And uh, it's basically about three hapless uh, three hapless filmmakers or clueless filmmakers <laughs> who are trying to sell find a producer they're hunting down a producer at sundance okay for the first time trying to hunt down a producer that is supposedly going to buy their movie uh and uh, and they go through this incredible kind of like dante's inferno okay uh, uh going through sundance for the first time by the way they're doing it all in 24 hours which is insane. <laughs> um they're so far up their own ass as far as ego is concerned <laughs> it's, not, it's not even funny right um so it's basically an exaggeration, but yet not really of people I've met yes. and, and worked with in my in my life. Yeah. Oddly enough, people who have seen the film, they go, "Oh, I know her." Wow. I go, "You know the actress?" It goes, "No, I know that person." Wow. I've worked with that person. I'm like, "Wow," and it's very very scary. Um, but if I can pitch the movie itself yeah. that they're selling, please do. It's it is the shape of water meets ET with Transformers drizzle. <laughs> that movie's and not that movie's not gonna get made. <laughs> no, no, the movie was made in the movie. It's the movie they made, which was of course shot in black and white and and mostly in slow-mo. So <laughs> black and white and slow-mo. <laughs> so this is the 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 opus that they're trying to sell throughout Sundance. Oh my goodness. And in, in all honesty, it was a it was a I wanted to create a this is spinal tap kind of movie for independent filmmakers. Got it. I wanted to create the satire 
of what indie filmmakers go through yeah. and uh, and also hopefully an allegory of what not to do. Yes. Uh, so yes. it is very heartbreaking. It is very funny. Yeah. Uh, and if you've never been to Sundance, this movie, after you watch it, you will feel like you've been at Sundance because we – I've been to Sundance six times, yeah. and my producer has been there twenty times. Jeez. So, so we know the layout very well, and we right. we shot everywhere. Okay, um, and it is literally just grab a camera and let's go shoot something. And it wow. was done the same way as um, Meg, where I wrote down, uh, and this one I wrote down uh, a complete scriptment of the okay. movie. Okay, and. You know, we went out in Main Street with thousands of extras <laughs> right. behind us. Did, they, did, they, did like, the extras know that they were extras? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. People always ask, what about permits? I'm like, <laughs> right. badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Right. No, right. I, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. That's funny. No permits. No. Because, okay. you know, the, my, my, my theory was that at Sundance, during Sundance, no one's going to notice another camera. Right. That, so that as long as theory, yeah, and as long as you don't walk around with a thousand people around you, which right. it honestly wouldn't have really mattered, even if I did, I noticed afterward, yeah, yeah. Um, because no one's crazy enough to shoot a movie at Sundance. Like who would do that? That's <laughs> absolutely not. But I'm very proud of it, uh, and it's gonna. We're right now going towards the festival circuit, and I'm gonna be creating a whole bunch of content um, for uh, on the making of it, how we put it together, how we're selling it how we're getting it out into the world. It, there's going to be, it, it's going to be so much content for filmmakers to, to kind of follow and, and absorb on how we did this because it is a special little movie. Yeah. No one's ever done something like this specifically. No. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's really hopefully about helping other filmmakers as they can laugh at themselves. Cause a lot yeah. of it's me in there, <laughs> um, but hopefully they can laugh at themselves and learn a little something along the way. Um, and you know, like you saw that, like we said off air in the trailer, um, you know, there's some one liners in there. Hilarious. Yeah. Pretty funny. And it, is, and it is built for filmmakers, for cinephiles, for filmmakers. It is as custom built for, for that audience as any movie I've ever seen. Okay. So I hope people enjoy it. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, do you think it will screen eventually at Sundance? Oh, you, God. Are you going to push for that? Yes, I am, because I'm crazy. <laughs> um, we're not waiting a year, because uh, uh, as of this recording, I mean, we literally just sh we shot the movie at Sundance, and within five weeks, we had the movie done. Wow. Uh, the whole process of, of Yeah, it was fast, because I was, I was rushing for a festival. Got it. Because uh, I generally preach against, you know, killing yourself over festival submissions, but this movie, once I saw it, I was like, you know what? This movie has a chance at some of these bigger festivals. I, okay. I feel it. Yeah. My bones. I might be stupid. I might be ignorant or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I feel it has a, it has a shot. So um, we're going to submit it to a bunch of other big film festivals. And if at the time that Sundance and or Slamdance uh, is going on, and if we haven't been at big festivals or they'll accept us, yeah. my God, that would be the most meta thing ever. I'm telling you. That would be to awesome. To watch watch the egypt watch my movie in the egyptian theater <laughs> watching the egyptian theater while filmmakers inside the movie are watching the theater it's just cra crazy it's crazy my mind's blowing up as thinking about it thinking but about it. you know it would be it would be wonderful it would be an absolute dream come true but you know it's not my goal my goal yeah. is to get it out I, do, I really don't want to wait a year but right We'll, we'll let Sundance know about it, and if they're interested, we'll uh, we'll definitely have a conversation. <laughs> they're probably going to be like, "How did you guys shoot this under our noses without us knowing?" <laughs> we actually went, literally went to festival headquarters and shot two scenes. 
I'm not kidding. We literally went to festival headquarters in the movie, and I'm telling the crew, which was basically two other people, uh, three other people, and the cast. I'm like, we are in the belly of the beast, and yeah. let's just go. And we shot literally in the middle of festival headquarters. And they probably they probably thought it was just somebody doing an interview for a YouTube channel or something. Yeah, ex- because the camera was really small. What did you guys uh, shoot with? We shot the pocket camera, the Black Magic you pocket. You shot camera. with the pocket. Wow. Pocket. Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, let's listen. Let's jump into Truth Prescription. Sure. Um, for my listeners, for my new listeners, I will just explain, you know, the concept or the premise behind the show, which is that all successful people, no matter their industry, have had to deal with certain truths. And it was accepting those truths that allowed them to break through and become more successful. So, Alex. Yes, sir. In your 20 plus years doing this, we're going to start with a professional for you. In your 20 plus years of doing this, name me a truth that it took you a long time to sort of accept and that when you accepted it, you were able to move uh, leaps and, and bounds ahead of yourself and, and, uh, and create more success. Um, I have two truths that okay. I, I, had to, I had to go through. One is not to attach myself to outcome. Mm. Mm-hmm. So nice. when you're making whatever you're doing, a lot of times people will get caught up in, if I make this, for me, it's a film. Mm-hmm. If I make this movie, this is going to be the one. This is the thing that's going to blow up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like going up, uh, if I may use a baseball metaphor, yeah. it's going up to the plate and swinging for a home run every time. Yeah. And every pitch that shows up, if I have to hit a home run. Yeah. Where... The world doesn't really work like that, and baseball doesn't even work that way. <laughs> baseball is you, you, you're failing sixty percent of the time, seventy percent of the time right. at at the top level yeah. of of baseball. You're failing seventy, sixty to seventy percent of the time. So the way I, I started looking at things is I'm going to start going for singles mm. as opposed to going for home runs because singles are still getting me on base, getting me closer to the home to to getting a run. Got it. And I just kept going in. It's like every time I go up to shoot a movie or to do a project or something like that, I don't go for a home run. You think yeah. about it, of course, but it's okay to swing and get a double, right. to get a single, to get a triple. Um, and then occasionally you keep going up the plate enough, you're going to smack a home run yeah. one day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Because some of us are – look, some of us are gifted that can go up and start smacking home runs right away, and, and, and I can list a ton of filmmakers that did that. Yeah. But they can't maintain that. Mm. No one can. Yeah. Not even the best baseball players in the world can do that. Like I said, they fail 60 to 70% of the time. Yeah. So that was the one big truth is, is letting go of outcome. And I did that with Meg, with This Is Meg, my first feature. Okay. And I definitely did that with my second feature. Just like, hey, you know, I'm not going to attach myself to outcome. I did it with Indie Film Hustle. You did. You know, okay. with, the, with the podcast, with the blog. You just, you just loved it. It was, all, it was, it was for, the, for the love that you did it. The, well, at, least, with, at least in the Indie Film Hustle. Well, the, look, the Indie Film Hustle, to get off track for a second, when, when I launched Indie Film Hustle, I was trying to create an online business. And the, ah, there's, okay. there's no there are no questions about it. Okay. I, I wanted to create an online business. I wanted to create something that could maintain myself, yeah. my family, uh, and I can and maintain my art and yeah. what I like to do. But with that said, my goal wasn't money. Got it. My goal was to honestly and truthfully help filmmakers that I saw getting their asses handed to them right. by the business, being being in the business for lo- so long, being in post-production for so long, and, and being front row center 
to the end processes of so many feature films, so many projects, listening to the stories, seeing how they were getting killed. Yeah. I just said, you know what? There's no one out there telling the people the truth. Yeah. At least not from my point of view and at least not and definitely not with my uh, quote unquote street cred. You know, <laughs> I you know, I've been around, you know. I'm not by any stretch an expert by any but but I've been around. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's kind of like uh, the old the old um, the old saying is like you know God might not know everything. He just might be the longest guy ever hanging around. He just <laughs> he, he just might be the guy who's just been around forever. I've never he heard learn, that. That's hilarious. He's just learning and learning and learning. Like you know, he might not be all powerful, but he just learned everything along the way. Yeah, I'm I'm joking. No no sacrilege, please. Right. Uh, <laughs> your point your point is experience is the best teacher. That's your point. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I came out. Out with it, and I was being truthful and honest and very raw, as you know, because you yes. hear you, you yep. listen to the podcast. Yep. Yep. I'm straight up. I'm like, don't be an idiot. Don't do this. Don't do that. But I always try to give some inspiration. I don't just try to berate people about things when they do something wrong. I yeah. berate them a little bit so they can kind of wake up. Right. Uh, I shock them and yeah. then I inspire them mm -hmm. and I go, look, there is a way. And I try to show them, at least from my point of view, a way to be successful. Uh, or at least to, to survive and thrive in the business that they love so much, which is arguably one of the most brutal businesses on the planet. Yeah. Um, so that's where I came from when I started Indie Film Hustle, when I started the podcast, um, and that's where I still am today. But I absolutely love it, and I can't tell you how many doors started opening for me the second I became of service to my community. The second, yeah. I, the, the second I became not only of service, but of value, providing value to other filmmakers around the world. Mm. Um, uh, doors, I can't tell you how many doors open. And then you, you start getting addicted to it. <laughs> uh, you know it, you, know, you, yeah. you have your own podcast yeah. where people are like, man, your podcast got me through something or that episode helped me with this or man, you have no idea what you, you know, your, your work does for me. That is addictive. Yeah. So I'm doing it selfishly. I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> Um, the second truth, so the first truth was not to be attached, um, and now I can't remember my second truth. Um, your, your, <laughs> to, your, second your second professional truth. My second professional truth was not to be attached to the outcome. Oh, and to get out of your own effing way. Mm, okay. Give, give, I, us, give us a story about how you got in your own way. My God, there's, do, how long is this podcast? <laughs> um, I mean, seriously. Um, so basically, I... I constantly uh, was in my own way okay. every step of the way since I started to go down the path of being a filmmaker Okay, because I was always either attaching myself to outcome and when things didn't happen, you, you fall deeper and deeper into like a little bit of a depression, a little bit of a hole, like, oh, this is not happening. Oh my God, I'm 23. I'm 24. Yeah. You know, or Robert Rodriguez was 23. Orson Welles was 23. And then yeah. like, oh, but that's okay. Steven Spielberg was 27 when he made Jaws. And then 27 comes and goes. And <laughs> all right, well, George Lucas was 29 when he made Star Wars and that, that comes and goes. And, and all of a sudden you just start feeling like you're being left behind. Mm. Um, and then you start throwing obstacles in front of yourself. Mm -hmm. You start going, well, if I don't have this camera and I don't have this thing to be able to make my movie, I can't really make it. I need to have this star attached yeah. or I need to have this thing. And these are all obstacles that you're throwing in front of yourself because you're scared now. There you, go. you are scared of moving forward. You're scared of putting yourself out there. Yes. And it took me 20, over 20 years to figure out that one day after I was attached to another project where I was going around the town, doing castings, meeting stars, you know, meeting producers. And when that project fell through 
again. Mm. I said, I'm 40, I'm 40 years old. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. I'm not 20. Yeah. So I said, screw it. I'm just going to go make a movie. And within 30 days later, I was making This Is Meg. Wow. Yeah. That quickly. That quickly. Yeah. 30 days later, we were shooting. Yeah. And within within a few months, we were done. Hmm. And, and, and I said, just screw it. I'm just going to go out there. My first movie is not going to be Reservoir Dogs. And that's okay. Yeah, you know, my first movie is not going to be El Mariachi or, or Paranormal Activity or any of these big monster hits. It's okay. I'm just going to go out and get a single. Yeah, and uh, that's what I did with Meg. You know, in my opinion, I got a single. Uh, you know, maybe maybe even a double or a triple when Hulu picked it up. <laughs> you know? Right. But that's I right. was I was able to go out and get you know a success, and then yeah. off of that, I proved to myself and to people watching me that hey, he can go do it. And I could go do this. So that's why, you know, when On the Corner of Ego and Desire came up, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is crazy. Let's go do this. Yeah. And I was able to do it. And within five weeks, six weeks, we were done mm -hmm. with an entire movie from shooting to end. And that's there's something to be said about that. Yeah. It's almost fearlessness. Yeah. It's the fearlessness I felt when I was 20. Because mm -hmm. when you're 20, you have no idea what's coming. <laughs> so you're fearless. Right. It's true. Like right. you, you think you could control, you could take over the world, and you're absolutely fearless. Yeah. So when I was 20, I felt that way until the until the the business and the reality and the universe and the world starts beating you down a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and every year that goes by, you just get a little bit more dinged. Mm -hmm. You're not as pristine as you were once were. <laughs> well, now I've come out of that beating, or that I've taken for 20 years. And said, oh, okay, now I can go back to being fearless again. Yeah. But now I also have 20 years of experience behind me. Right. Now, yeah. and that's the, the most wonderful place to be as an artist. As someone who's seasoned, who still has lots to learn. Don't get me wrong. I got tons to learn yeah. still. But someone who's been around the block and who's fearless. Mm. And that is the, the best place to be as an artist because you cannot make great art without being fearless, without pushing the envelope, without doing things that no one else has done. Believe me, you have no idea how many people I looked into their eyes and said, hey, I'm going to go make a movie at Sundance this year. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, are you crazy? You, like I told you, like, oh, yeah, I made a movie. Oh, your movie played at Sundance. No, I shot a movie. <laughs> they're like, what are you talking about? Even one of my actors in the movie who was at a big Sundance party that night where he had to go at like one o'clock in the morning to shoot a scene at our party. <laughs> he's telling like all these big producers and stuff. Oh, I got to go shoot a scene for a movie. You've got a screening. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm shooting a movie. What movie are you shooting? There's no movies that are shot here. Right. Yes. I'm shooting a movie. like, it's just mind blowing to people. Yeah. And, and even people who were in, in the process of making that movie didn't understand what was going on. They're just like, look, we're here. We trust that you're going to do something with this. Right. And five weeks later, when I show them, they're like, holy crap, this is a movie. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, holy crap. Like, what are you talking? How, how did you do this so fast? <laughs> yeah, I've, five I've weeks. My, that's that's, that's almost unheard of. It takes my editors three or four months just to get me a rough cut. Right. And I'm like, well, you know, after 20 years, you put a couple tools in the toolbox. Right. And, and that's you, what you it, edited it yourself, right? Correct. Yeah, I did all yeah. the posts myself. Other yeah. than audio. I did all the posts myself, yeah. And uh, but that's because of you know it's all my camera gear, you know. My yeah. DP and I worked very closely okay. on everything, you know, on the look of it, on the lenses I wanted. I mean, I was very in on on 
you know, involved to say right. the least right. on the project. Uh, but I had a wonderful collaborators with me on the on the entire show, which right. was wonderful. And uh, but again, no one really knew, including myself, what I had, what we had yeah. at the end of it. But that was that fearlessness yeah. that you have to have in any aspect of your life. Because I always tell people, uh, now now recently I came up with this, but people get all, I'm scared. Mm. Or I don't want to do this. I go, look, dude. Or or or, or madam. Um, I go, <laughs> madam. <laughs> madam. I know, right? Like, because I'm from the 1800s. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I go, uh, I go, look, dude or miss. Right. Um, why are you scared? Oh, because, you know, this or that. I'm like, look, get out of your own ass. Yeah. Because 200 years, no one's going to remember the hell, who the hell you are. There you go. I love and no one's going to remember anything you did. Mm. Okay. Now, mm. if you think you're going to be Steve Jobs or, or these guys or Shakespeare, great. That's fantastic. Then I should give you more energy to do more things. But more likely in the next 500 years, whether you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, hmm. something's going to happen that your stuff's going to get wiped away. Yeah. You know, hard drives will be wiped out. A meteor comes by, dings the planet for a second. <laughs> it's gone. So don't get so caught up with yourself and get out of your own way. Get out of your own ass yeah. and just go out and do it. Just do it. Because at yeah. the end of the day, no one's going to remember this anyway. So why not be fearless yeah. with what you do in life? Why not be fearless? My, my first guest, uh, Anthony Watkins, said, fear is false evidence appearing real. And I always loved that when he said it. This is great. You know, it's and it's so Not true. The- yeah, it's so true. False evidence appearing real, you know. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You know, if you don't do anything, nobody's gonna ever ever know. You, you know, it's funny. You titled your film on the corner of uh, ego and desire, but you have to have a little bit of you. You need to stand on that corner a little bit in order to get things done, don't you? <laughs> funny enough, the way I came up with that name is uh, out of the condo that we were staying at on Main Street. Uh-huh. When we walked out um, that year, every every place a uh, Sundance had put big words up. Mm-hmm. To kind of inspire people around Sundance around Park City. Sure. So we literally were staying on the corner of Vigo in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out and I looked up. I'm like, hey guys, look, we're staying on the corner of Vigo and Desire. And I'm like, that's hey, that's a really great name for a movie. And that yeah. was wow. That's how it came up. Wow. But yes, and very much so, you do need a little bit of ego. You yeah. do need a little bit of desire and a few other things in that recipe to make it through. Yeah. But but you have to have a balance of all of it. You do. You do. You can't be an asshole. Um, you definitely need desire. Your ego has to be sort of tempered, and you, you have you know you got to be nice. You got to be nice to people. You can't. You, you know what? Just... You know what tempers your ego? What's that? Three years of selling olive oil and vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> that shit, I can't go down with a quickness. <laughs> I walked in like I'm gonna take over, and then after three years of doing farmers markets at three o'clock in the morning, waking up and and and, and busting your ass for right. fifty bones right. for the day didn't sell off that well that wow. day yeah if that's a good day because i made money right um you know all of that doing that day in day out for three years yeah i tell you what brother yeah it, sure. it, it, it will beat that ego down and I, in all <laughs> honesty i wouldn't be here today without going through that experience and right. I, I personally on my own personal journey had i had such a, a large ego okay uh in a bat, not like I was like completely boasting all over the place, but my ego was so in control of me, yeah, and of what I did and all of the things I did that the universe said, you know what, 
let's throw this little idea in his in his little mon- monkey head. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly what they did. I was like, hey, why don't we open up? Screw it. I'm gonna go do what Coppola did, but reverse. Mm, right. <laughs> After exactly, and and uh, that's exactly what happened to me. So I, I wear it with pride those three years, but it was uh, the most ball busting three years of my entire life. And at the end of the day, that is what my, I needed on my journey yeah. to, uh, to lessen that ego. And I think we all, one way or another, that ego is going to get beaten down, it especially is. business. It is. And I think this is, this is a perfect segue to the uh, personal truths. Mm-hmm. If you can give us a, a story about a personal truth, something that you came to learn or came to understand after you were ignoring it for a long time. Um, another truth, I guess my personal truth is the thing that it's, or or it's taken me the longest to learn Mm -hmm. is patience, Mm. patience, 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 patience Mm. is a truth that, Mm. um, uh, not only in my career, but in my life, I'm always, I was always so I need to go, I I need to, I need to get to the destination. Yeah. And I was not enjoying the journey. (laughs) Right. And the problem is that you live most of your life on the path. Yeah. You don't live your life at the destinations. Yeah. There's small segments of the of, of the moments in your life. Most of it is walking towards that just that destination or working towards that destination. So if you don't enjoy that that journey, you're a miserable mofo. Every day. <laughs> like, every day. Yeah. Every day. You're mad, like right. You're pissed. I was like that for years. For <laughs> years, I was just ang- I was the angry filmmaker. I was like, why is that? And then um, and and to and just to to like rub salt in my wounds, the filmmakers that were successful were coming into my office, and I was helping them. Wow. Get their dreams going because I was helping them in post. Right. So I would I'd see like, how old are you? Twenty three. How'd you get three million dollars for this goddamn movie? God damn it! <laughs> Son <laughs> of a. You, you don't even know what the hell you're doing. Look right. at this movie. Right. It's full of mess. Right, right. And what is Michael Madsen doing in this? Anyway, so uh <laughs> <laughs> but you know, wow. I so I was angry all the so I lived in a perpetual anger. Yeah. I was angry at the world. I was angry at anybody who was near me. And, and you know, it was just kind of was always like, you know, I wasn't like a bitter guy, but I was yeah. an angry guy. And yeah. there's a difference. So it's like a low low level of anger just sitting there all the time. Always just yeah. simmering. To the point yeah. where anything popped off, boom, it just go. Yeah. Road rage, boom, just pop off. Got it. Yep. I understand. You know, and we all feel it. And it was that that anger of because I wasn't enjoying the the walk. I wasn't enjoying the journey. I yeah. wasn't enjoying the grind. Yeah. And that is what Indie Film Hustle taught me is to love the daily grind. Because you know as well as I do, getting a podcast off the ground is not easy. No. Mm-mm. Um and to get anyone to listen is not easy. <laughs> no. So you've got to pound it day in, day out with no outcome in sight. Right. No right. outcome in sight. Right. You, you know, like it, it's going to take years. Yeah. It's going to take years before. And I was lucky. I was able to I was able to generate a lot within a, a short amount of time with Indie Film Hustle. Right. But from where, where, where it hit number one for the first time to where it is today. Mm-hmm. It's it's monumentally different as far as audience size, as far as everything I've gotten done, all everything from that moment. That's almost two years. Okay, you know, to the point where now my life revolves around indie film hustle, mm-hmm. around making movies, around helping people. Yeah, uh, and occasionally now I do post, 
Okay. Where occasionally, okay, occasionally, very occasionally. Now I don't do it often. I do it mostly for friends or people I know. Okay, um, I consult and stuff like that, but I don't do it as much because I don't have, have the, time. the time. Yeah, and also I, I don't need to because right. because financially I've right. been able to build something up to the point where now I have a choice, and I've been very blessed and lucky to do that. Yeah, indie film hustle has about 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 ten thousand sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's not, that's always we just a good got thing. Two, just got two sponsors on the show. All sponsors, all right. Just two sponsors on the show right now for next month, and we got a couple more lined up. But that's you right. Know. That's right. But you're not talking about that, though. No, we're not talking about that. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry. But, and then, by the way, and by the way, the sponsors are not by any stretch the main source of income. Right. So it's uh, one small part of many sources of income that come from from it. But okay. at the end of the day, I at the end of the day, that anger, that bitterness is because of, um, of not enjoying the path. So I think that truth of patience okay. of not understand, if I would have understood that in my twenties, I'm like, you are not going to pop off until you're in your thirties. Yeah. You got a, you got a decade of doing, and that's if you're doing things right, which I did not. Right. Um, my twenties were a, a, a calamity. Um, <laughs> so absolute calamity. I think it was so out of control. I can't even express to we're, you. We're going to talk about it. I have I actually have a question to, to ask you about that. Cause I, 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 I yeah. <laughs> you, deep. you went like Oprah style and went deep into my archives. I already yes, know I it. did. Uh, <laughs> so, but my, my ego was, my ego was so out of control that uh, my twenties was a complete disaster. So I couldn't, at that point in my my path in my uh, in my journey, uh, even comp- cont- contemplate. Oh, this is going to take five or ten years. Only when I started getting into my late thirties, and arguably not until I turned forty, did I really start grasping that that understanding. And what taught it to me mostly was indie film hustle, because okay. indie film hustle is every day. Day in, day out. Yeah. Articles, podcasts, YouTube videos. Yeah. And you're just pounding out content. And yeah. at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to hit. You have no way of knowing what's going to happen. But the, the, the biggest lesson I can give your audience is if you do one little thing a day, if you're doing a podcast, one podcast a week. Yeah. At the end of the year, you got 52 episodes. Yeah. At the end of two years, you got 104 episodes. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you've got 200 and some, 300 yeah. and some, 400 yeah. and some. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with an article. Write an article, article a day, two articles a week. If you're writing a screenplay, try to write for an hour a day. Yeah. If you're writing a book, thousand, you know, make a, make a, make a whatever that, that number is, 5,000 words a week. Yeah. However you get there is up to you. You can knock it all out on Monday or you could, or you could spread it out over the course of the week. But get that done. And in the next three months, You'll have a rough draft of a book. Yeah, it's that little stuff that because by itself it doesn't seem like a lot, but that brick by brick by brick mentality, and all of a sudden you've built a skyscraper. Yeah, yeah, and it's one step at a time. That's all. You know, I know that sounds cheesy and old school, but the the journey begins with one foot in front of another, one step at a time, and that is the truth that is as yeah. truthful as anything i can say yeah the journey they say the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step yeah that's yeah, it and yeah. it's so so true yeah no that's true okay all right cool so it's about about patience and um actually 
my enjoying first, the journey. Enjoying the journey. And my my first question, my first question to you was actually, you talk about falling in love with the journey and why is that important. But you just you just told us why it's important. So I'm gonna skip that question. Right. <laughs> my next my next question is about, um, what do you think is the biggest scam perpetrated by Hollywood? Ha 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 ha! say. I think the biggest scam that Hollywood has has perpetrated on the industry, on yes. on the business, yes, is that all that shines glitters. You know, in the mm. sense of, I'll give you a perfect analogy. Okay, when you turn in in February to watch the Oscars or okay. in March, wherever the hell it is, and you look at Hollywood Boulevard. Oh my goodness! It looks gorgeous, doesn't it? Yes, Red it carpet, does. yes. Stars everywhere. Everything's shiny. Yep. It's beautiful. Yes. The next week, go back to that same Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> where they showed the Oscars. Okay. And you do not want to be there past dark. Wow. Okay. I did not and know And that, that. is what Hollywood does so beautifully. Interesting. They put a beautiful sheen on everything. Mm. And that's what they're good at. That's what yeah. they've been doing for over 120 years. Yeah. Yeah. They've been doing that and they do it to filmmakers all the time. Okay. When you go to film school, what do they teach you? They teach you that you too can go off and make a big Hollywood movie. Mm. And that's what they teach you how to do. They don't teach you how to do a micro budget movie. Mm. They don't teach you how to hustle. They don't teach you how to market. Yeah. They don't teach you how to build an audience. They don't teach you about how to self-distribute, how to build ancillary products around your movie so you can survive yeah. and make a business out of your out of your, They don't teach you any of that. Mm. What they teach you is how to jump into the Hollywood system mm. and that you too can be that big giant director. And they'll hold up in front of you the carrot of Robert Rodriguez, Al Mariachi, yeah, uh, yeah. Kevin Smith, Clerks, yeah. um, the guy who did Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch Project. And there's a handful of other ones. They go, look what they did. Right. But those are the lottery ticket winners. Exactly. The one, they are the one not, in a hundredth of a million. Yeah. They're the one in a billion yeah. that get it. <laughs> right. And that's all they show. They don't show the hundreds of millions that don't that play the game and don't get there. Yeah. Now, I'm not trying to be a downer in saying that there's just no way that you'll ever be able to do that. If no. you truly believe it yeah. and you want to work towards it, I'm the first one to tell you, go for it. Yeah. Okay. But you've got to be smart about it and you're going to have to work your ass off. Right. Because, and it doesn't matter what, and if you think that because you're at the top level of your game, that it's still not a hustle, tell that to Steven Spielberg who had to go to India to find money for Lincoln. Wow. Yeah. Because nobody here would finance it. Yeah. Or when he wanted to make Schindler's List, that he had to dig into his own pocket. To make it because nobody wanted to give him the money to make a black and white movie about the Holocaust. Yeah. And 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 by the way, that year he made the biggest movie of all time, one of the biggest movies of all time with Jurassic Park. Yeah. At that year. Interesting. It doesn't matter, man, where you are. Look, Scorsese took him 20 years to make the movie Silence. Mm. 20 years yeah. to get the financing for that movie. It's Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and I could list off again and again. But that is the biggest, I think, scam that not only a lot of times film schools put up because it's about money, about getting those getting those people tuition, in, getting them tuition out. Tuition checks, yep. Tuition checks, tuition checks. Why in God's green earth would a filmmaker put himself into debt one hundred twenty thousand dollars? 
Uh, which I've, I've I've spoken to these filmmakers. Uh, Why would you do that? Because you in if you and then thrown into the business, your last your last name's not Spielberg or Fincher, right? Okay, or Nolan, and <laughs> you've got to hustle your way out. So what are your first jobs? First jobs are going to be for free, right? Then maybe you'll be get into if you're lucky PA work, assistant editing work, something like that. Get yeah. you know work in the camera department. Yeah. How much are you making? Fifty bucks a day. Yeah, seventy five a day. What, how many years is it going to take before you could actually start making a salary? One thousand. You know, like when <laughs> a you long start. Long time. Uh, it's going to take you years. Yeah. It took me a few years before I was out, and I was lucky. I was extremely lucky where I started making real money. Yeah. And I was able to pay off my debt, which was only eighteen grand. Mm-hmm. You know, for my film school. Yeah. So I was very lucky to do that. But why would you do that? That's just the stupidest thing in the world. So. Think about ROI. Think about return on investment. You know, yeah. if you're going to go to film school and we go, oh, I don't want to go down that dark yeah. path. Yeah. But you yeah. know what I'm saying? Nofilmschool.com um, is a great website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but overall, I, I think that that is the biggest scam that Hollywood has played, that it's all beautiful. It's all great. But underneath it all, man, it's not. It's not. It okay. is a brutal, relentless, just in many ways disgusting as we now know with the me too movement and yeah, everything yeah disgusting yeah. business yeah that we live in but with all that said i just still love it <laughs> well yeah um, well, you have an opportunity to love it from your perspective you know to bring some you know because to, to bring the hustle beauty. to it you know look there's there is a beauty to what we do yeah there is yes. an importance to what we do yes how you do it is up to you. You want to play the Hollywood game? Play it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm reading right now the Mark Duplass and Jay Duplass book, uh, Like Brothers, okay. um, who are, it's an amazing story about how they got started. And if I may tell a quick story from the book. Yes, absolutely. They, they, um, they, when they, got, they made a movie called Puffy Chair back in the early 2000s. And everybody in Hollywood, you know, a big hit at South by Southwest, everybody in Hollywood, come on over. And they literally did over 100 in a year, did over a hundred uh, uh, greet and meet meetings with producers and directors. Yeah, producers and and studios and okay. agents and Got managers it. and all that stuff, right? And that's and that's what you do: a greet and meet. Those are that standard Hollywood practice. Okay, where you just kind of go, you meet, you bullshit, you uh, you bullshit each other a little bit, you stroke each other's ego a little bit, and at the end of the <laughs> at the end of the but no, it's the truth. And at the end of that, at the end of that um, meeting, you go, you know what? We should come up with something to work together on. And you never and, do it. And they never do it. <laughs> so they said after a year of doing this, they had nothing to show for it. They're like, how many hours, how many days did we lose yeah. by doing these wa- just wasteful time, right. wasteful things? And meanwhile, they're not making films. <laughs> but not wait, they're not making films. So yeah. at the end of the at the end of that year, they said to themselves, they said, you know what? We're going to call up our representation and say we're not going to do any, any general meetings anymore. Mm. And they're like, what? You go, How can That's just the way things are done. You have to do that. Yeah. And they said, nope, we make movies, not meetings. <laughs> and I like it. shortly thereafter, they were dropped by the representation. Okay. But you know what? They started making movies. Yeah. And they started doing it their way. And they yeah. was like, this is our process and we're not going to waste our time. Yeah. And that's what they did. And and they are in the Hollywood system, but they're playing by their own rules. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's rare, but can be done. Yeah. Using resources from Hollywood, but doing it your own way. And there's a handful of people who are doing that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you've got to be successful, be, be able to get the keys to the bank account, to right. get the keys to what Hollywood can do. Right. So 
it's not all doom and gloom, guys. <laughs> it, you know, it's not all like, you know, we are in a nasty, disgusting business. Look, you can say that about any business. You yeah. can say that about the cookie business. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I know the story of Famous Amos. It, it ain't a pretty story. Right, right, you know? right, right, right. <laughs> all businesses are like that, regardless. Yeah. Um, we just happen to be one of those businesses that is very out there and in the public eye because, you know, it's fame, fortune, stars, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that to answer your, a long long answer to your question, I believe is the biggest scam that Hollywood has perpetrated yeah. on the public and specifically on creatives and filmmakers. Okay, so segueing from that, let's talk about when you went to uh, Hollywood in two thousand two. You talk about mm -hmm. you were not ready the first mm -hmm. time you went. Just talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that experience uh, where you you went, you stayed out there for I think you said a month, and then you. Ran, yeah. <laughs> ran, ran back to Florida with your tail between your legs. Talk about absolutely. That. Well, first of all, I don't like when you say it. I'm the only one. I didn't like your tone. Or but, but that I was the past, man. That was the past. Continue with the interview, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> that was the past, man. Let's talk about the past. <laughs> so, um, uh, yes, in 2002, I went to 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 LA. I had my editing demo reel that has done nothing but amazing things for me in Miami. Yes. Got me all my work. Yes. And I showed up to LA and I and basically said, I'm here. <laughs> Daddy's home. Daddy's home, baby. <laughs> Where who wants me first? <laughs> and uh I was what, 27, 28 years old at the time. Right. And I've been a very big fish in a small pond down in Miami. You know, I, I was one of the bigger editors down there. I was working all the time, making really good money. Okay. And uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna take my shot. So I went out and I was like, you know, 30 days should be enough. Yeah, um, that's it. That's all you need. That's like 30 days should be fine. I'll just, let you know, hang on one of my buddy's couches for a day, for, for 30 days. It'll be all good. So um, that's exactly what I did. And then I ran around, dropped off 50 of my VHS demo reels <laughs> and um, faxed out. Uh, 250 resumes. Wow. And uh, I got three responses. Okay. Uh, after I left. <laughs> Basically, after I left. Wow. I took a couple, I took a couple meetings, though, uh, while I was there. But uh, since I didn't live there, right. it was hard to get in. Mm. And uh, I got ticketed three times for parking. <laughs> and uh and it was just brutal. I was yeah. just eaten up and spit out yeah. by the by the town and this town is if you're not ready for it, it it's like New York, man. It will tear you up. Yeah. Um yeah. and I was just, you know, literally fresh off the turnip truck. Yeah. And uh and the the town ate me alive. So uh it took me what 5 6 years. Six years before I came back. Mm -hmm. But when I came back, though, I, I came locked and loaded. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. I came locked and loaded. Um, you know, I had a plan. I had my my girlfriend who then became my wife at the time. Um, you know, we had uh, DVDs that we were going to sell. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, I was lucky enough the second I landed, I got a job. Uh, freelancing, doing a feature. Then I started doing other things. And, I, during, and right after the crash. And okay. I worked right through the crash. My wife had a job, and you know, luckily we didn't feel the crash That's at right. all. Yeah. And we just ran right through. And I just kept working and working and working because I hustled my ass off. Yeah. And within a few years, I had uh, God, just so many projects under my belt because I just did not stop working. Yeah. So 
but you have to be ready. You have to be very calculated when you make a big life change like that. Yeah. You know, I know it's very romantic, the whole I'm Madonna, I have twenty dollars in my pocket, just drop me off at Times Square kind right, of thing. Right, right. You know, that's a wonderful little story. Yeah. Um, but we ain't all Madonna. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and it ain't right. the eighties. You know <laughs> the early eighties or whenever she came in. But um, you know, I think you have to be a little bit more calculated about it. So I I'm all about taking risks, yeah. being fearless, but don't be stupid. Right. Um, right. because I've been that. Okay. You know, don't just just don't just don't go into the wind going, I'm just gonna go make it like like I did in two thousand two. <laughs> like I'm here. Like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work like right. that. You just have to you really have to be calculated about these kind of things. Okay. And and save your money and do your things and do you know, just be smart, analyze. You know, I came two or three times. Where am I going to live? How am I? How much is it going to cost? All this yeah. kind of stuff. And how much money do I have in the bank? You know, do I have six months? Do I have a year? Yeah. Uh, of savings, just in case I can't work at all. Yeah. Things like they say you need about a year, years worth. About of a savings. year. You yeah. need you need easily a year of money in the bank to to make a go yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, any any new place, in all honesty. Yeah. Um. And that's and then that's that you made that's that you've gotten nowhere and you've made no money and that you cannot get work. Yeah. For a year. Yeah. And, and if you can't make it in a year, you might you might have to go back or figure something else out, you know, right. or drop your expenses even more and, right. and, and and stretch that money a bit. But right. ramen noodles, ramen noodles, ramen, you know, organic because <laughs> um, we're here. It's it's, you know, it's L.A. It has right. to be organic. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> vegan in L.A. It's funny. I, you know what? To be honest with you, I had to tell you, but uh, but but I'm vegan. So, oh, so <laughs> hey, so I'm so am I. It's all good. So am I. I'm, I'm a clean. So I'm a am clean. I, and I live in I live in Jersey, so it's it's all good. Must be, oh, it's a lot rougher out there. To eat. <laughs> oh, it, it is. It a, gets a little rough sometimes, but you know, you you pick your you pick your spots. You pick your no, spots. Dude, no, you you come out here, boy. We woo every five. <laughs> you got a vegan. You got a vegan chef. Oh, it's time. He's vegan out here. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I uh, in the summer I met the president of his company on vacation, and I was just telling him about the script I was writing and some stuff I want to do. Sure. And he just like stopped me in the middle of my tracks, and he was like, "You need to move to LA." <laughs> Shit like that. And I'm oh like, no, dude, that's no, your no. advice? <laughs> no, absolutely, Abso absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You are wasting away in Jersey. I love Jersey. I love New York. But if you want to be in the business, you got to go where the business. I always tell people, you want to get hit by a car, you got to go where the traffic is, man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I like that. Yeah. All right. Last question before we jump into yes or BS. Tell us, has selling uh, This Is Meg opened up any non-sort uh, of indie opportunities? And if not, would you be open to that? What do you mean by non-indie opportunities? Meaning Hollywood Studios says, listen, here's $10 million, you know, make a film. Oh, no, no, no. The movie has not done anything like that. Um, uh, I'm being frank and honest. Me uh, no, because I I I'm saying meaning like people saw, like let's say universe, somebody at Universal saw the film and they're like, oh, this guy can direct. You know, let's let's take a meeting with them and see, you know, maybe we can put them in a project. Yes, I would absolutely be open to that. OK, OK, <laughs> um, OK, absolutely. absolutely. If you're offering it, yes, uh, <laughs> I am available. No, okay. um, uh, you know, the, the movie itself, this is Meg. I knew what kind of movie it was. I yeah. knew what it was going to do for me yeah. in many ways. Um, it did a few things that I didn't expect it to do. I had no illusions or delusions that this is a kind of movie that a Hollywood studio would try to, uh, 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 you know, um, approach me about. Okay. Uh, or try to contact me about. Okay. It's a dramedy. Yeah. Shot very quickly. 
in a you know in a weird kind of mumble course fashion. Okay. That is what studios are doing now. I got calls off of my short film Broken from studios, which was an action visual effects extravaganza back in 2005. Interesting. Because that was the kind of movies that they were looking for. Okay. Got it. So I, got it. I had no expectations of that from this. And I honestly don't have that expectation from, from Ego and Desire to a certain extent. Depending on where the movie goes, it might open some doors for me. Yeah. And I think it has a much better chance of opening doors for me um, than my first film. Okay. But I knew what the first film was about. For yeah. me, it was about getting a movie made, getting it out there, getting it sold, and proving to my audience that it can be done. Right. Um, and that's what I did. Uh, with the second movie, is a little bit different, and the third movie, and so on. Um, but I do, I do believe that Ego and Desire will do that much more than Meg did. But am I open to it? I'm always open to opportunities when they come knocking. You have to be. Yeah. Because you never know what what an opportunity can lead to. It might not be what you want to do right then and there. Right. But that could lead to something else. Yeah. Or that could be like, oh, I remember how I talked to this guy. He shot this movie at Sundance. Man, I know you, how much you have in that movie? Three million? Man, he'd do really great with that budget. Yeah. He's been, a, you, you should, I'm going to meet, I'm going to introduce you guys. Right. Right. You know, yeah. and that's happened. And you'll find this out as you continue to grow your podcast. The connections you make doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Insane. Insane yeah, the amount true. of connections and people and, and opportunities I've opened up just purely by having a platform that I can speak to people I want to speak to. Yeah. I just reach out to them like, hey, you want to be on the show? And right. great. Now I got an hour of their time yeah. where nowhere in the world where am I, am I going to sit down and talk for an hour with Russell Carpenter, the DP of Titanic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I talked right. to him for an hour and a half, you know? Yeah, like, you know, that's not going to happen in a normal <laughs> Right. Or even Philip Bloom, you know? You, you, oh, Phil special... Bloom. I spoke to Philip Bloom yeah. for an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, who's, who's what amazing. moment in life is that going to be there? Yeah. Or I'm talking to Jim Ools, the writer of Fight Club, yeah. for almost two hours. Yeah. Like, that does not happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that was it. So we're basically telling everybody, is, start a podcast, everybody. Start a podcast. <laughs> it, will, it will speed up your problem. I'm just saying. Well, if you, <laughs> There's not enough of us out there. You know, if you take if you take that 10 million from Universal, you have to change it to just uh, Hustle Podcast. It can't be Indie Film Hustle anymore. It has to be Film Hustle. You know, yeah. <laughs> you have to take the indie out of it. I, I, I've worried about that, but you know what? I'll, I'll jump off that bridge when I get right, to it. Right, exactly. When, I, when you cash the check, you'll think about it. And, uh, and, and and by the way, I have no no illusions of like cashing that check. <laughs> okay, just so we're clear. I have no, just so we're clear, I don't have any moral issues about, right. you know, right. I mean, look, if I get a movie that I want to do and I feel it's good and it's something I can do and bring justice to and hopefully put a message out there into the world, yes, I'll take that check. All right. But there's certain things I won't take a check for. Believe it or not, there it. are a few things. I believe it. Porn. I know you won't do porn. Well, I mean, we all have to start somewhere, man. I was, <laughs> it was the money. It was the 90s. It was a weird time, man. Don't judge. Don't judge. All right. <laughs> Let's jump into uh, Yes or BS. So I think you know you know this this this, this segment, but I'm going to make a statement. You can say yes or you can say BS, and you can expound on why why not, and we can keep going. All right? All right. Man. Go for it. All right, number one. Now, now number one, you kind of answered already, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. Mm -hmm. Number one, directors can find more work in L.A. than New York. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, we, we're just going to keep going. Number I'm going to say yes because there's just more opportunity here, and I'll say I'll say two, I'll say exactly why. Okay. If 
if the film business left New York, yeah. New York is still New York. Yes. If the film business left Los Angeles, I think the city would come crashing down. Yeah, it implode. Yeah, it's true. All right, throwing yeah. it out. There. All right, number two, new directors need managers more than agents. Yes, but with a caveat. Okay, tell us the caveat. Uh, the caveat is that no manager or agent is going to get you work. <laughs> straight up, straight up. The managers are better than agents because managers are more in the long term of your career. Mm. But if you're expecting that the second you sign with a manager, that that manager is going to go out there, hustle for you, and get you a whole bunch of work, that is rare or it's, it's a unicorn. Okay. It, 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 it's very rare. It does not exist. What they are good for is that when you go out and hustle your own gigs, they can, they can, you can use them and their office to make you look more legitimate. One, got it. Got it. And two, they can negotiate deals for you where you shouldn't be negotiating your own deals. Okay. And that's, and, and, and if that's the case, you could also just use an attorney as well. Okay. All right. Cool. Number three, an asshole director is acceptable if you make the studio money. Look, uh, uh, I think that's BS Okay. to a certain extent. Um, yes, at the end of the day, studios will put up with an asshole director. And there are many of them. Um, and the term asshole is, could be varied. It could be someone yeah. who's passionate yeah. or it could be a straight up asshole. And I don't yeah. want to name names, but there are those yeah. uh, without question. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you as a director, if you want to be an asshole constantly, the moment – you stumble the moment you trip yeah. it's over yeah it's gone yeah whereas in you're a good guy people enjoy working with you yeah. you step you stumble you fall a little bit you you make a little bomb here or there people will give you another opportunity yeah. so as a general statement don't be a dick. And I think that's right. the greatest advice you can give anybody <laughs> in life. Just don't be a dick. That's what we're going to call this episode. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Just don't be a dick. <laughs> um you know, it's funny when you were talking about that. I was, I was actually thinking about Ron Howard. Um, yeah, I, I did Ron his, Howard. I did his master class, and he just seems like such a it's, nice guy. You know? all, isn't that the best master class? It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, yeah. I, I saw it. I were. I, I took it. Yeah. It is by far the best yeah. out of all of them. Even Martin Scorsese's, which was nice. And yeah, great. it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was okay. Right. Yeah. It was just it was more luxury. Yeah, exactly. But he, but, you know, he took you through and went through the the blocking. I mean, I was like, oh. Ugh. That was like to sit back <laughs> behind a multi Oscar winning director. Yeah. And he is one of those guys that yeah. I can't wait to see solo when it comes out. Yeah. Uh, he's just one of those directors who is a technician. Yeah. He just yeah. knows it so well. Yeah. It was magical to watch. But yes, yeah, he is a nice guy and he's got an opportunity on opportunity on op opportunity again and again. And even though he's not, he doesn't hit a thousand, he doesn't bat a thousand. Yeah. Sometimes he strikes out on big movies. Yeah. But he, look at that. Oh, Ron, Ron's a good guy. Let's bring him into this Star Wars movie. Right. right. Which is, I'm sure, going to do all right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Number four. The cinematographer is more important than the camera or lenses. Absolutely, yes. Excellent. Absolutely, yes. Okay. It, is, it, is not the, it is not the plunger. It is the plumber. <laughs> good. I like that. Okay. It's always... The plumber it is never the plunger because I don't. We're the only business in the world that's that that asks. We're the, the, how stupid we are! Like, what you shoot that on? What you shoot that on? Yeah. Whereas you don't ask a carpenter, what what's your hammer, man? <laughs> what's your hammer? What, what's your, what, what 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 nails you use, man? <laughs> like you, 
You never hear that. But in yeah. our business, it's all about the gear. Why? Because again, perpetrated by the industry to have us continuously buy new gear and new gear when the old gear is just as good and will tell a story. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's all about the story. So it's always about the driver, never about the car. All right. Number five, Alex Ferrari will one yes. day, will one day own a Ferrari. BS. <laughs> okay. Never ever own a Ferrari. I don't. I, I I've been in Ferraris. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what's sexy? What's Miles that? per gallon. That's uh, what's yeah. sexy. Right. Yeah. I'll buy myself a nice Prius, a nice Electra. Hey, look, man, I'm in LA. I yeah. can't be afforded no, you know, gas gonna cost about ten dollars a gallon <laughs> in the next five years. $10 so a gallon. it's gonna get to that point. So I'd much rather have electric or a Prius, sir. So I'm sorry if that's not cool, but that's all right. No problem. <laughs> Number six. Or, no. oh, or a Tesla. Or a Don't Tesla. get me wrong. Uh, or a Tesla. I'll, I'll roll with a Tesla. You roll with a Tesla. All right. I'll with a Tesla. Number six. Being a husband is more difficult than directing a feature. I'm going to say yes. Because uh-huh. my, my, my wife might listen to this one day. <laughs> and I just want to cover my ass. So Your um, ass no, is covered. Your ass no, is covered. Um, I'll say yes purely because... Um, <laughs> I, I, yes, because uh, being a husband is a 24-7... Oh, 365 day a year thing, whereas <laughs> directing a movie is short bursts right. of, of, and you just got to, you know, working on a relationship, my God, that is the biggest feature film you'll ever do in your entire life. <laughs> Good answer. It's true. 100% true. <laughs> All right. Number seven. Indie filmmakers are just working until they can become non-indie filmmakers. I think that's uh, it's yes and BS both okay. because there are certain filmmakers who who are just you know they, like look at uh, Christopher Nolan he yeah. did the following then he did Memento and yeah. the second he did Memento which was an indie movie mm. or you know was under five million bucks or something like that um, then he jumped right to a Hollywood studio movie mm. and then they gave him Batman and he never looked back yeah. and now when you're able to have complete control of all of those resources why would you want to come back because he's making basically he's making his indie movies. Yeah. With IMAX, yeah, <laughs> right. You know, and right. that's a rarity, though. That's yeah. a rarity. Um, but there are certain filmmakers who live in the indie world. Jim Jarmish uh, lives there. Uh, the Duplass brothers live there. Mm. Um, Lynn Shelton lives there. There's so many filmmakers. Uh, uh, Kevin Smith lives there. That maybe dabble in the studio, but they'll come back to their indie roots because they want the freedom. Yes. And they're artists, and they and it's not all about the money. Yeah. But then a lot of filmmakers just want to play with the biggest toys and their stories need yeah. those resources. Like you can't make a Chris Nolan movie on a, a on ten thousand dollars. No. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's just yeah. even if even a Fincher movie on ten thousand dollars. Fincher on Nolan yeah, you uh, and you know any yeah. of those guys. Burton. You yeah. can't make those they've gotten to a different place yeah. in their career. The stories that they're telling yeah. need those kind of resources. But there are a lot of filmmakers who love to stay in that indie world they, they stay you know i think they stay indie because like you said the freedom and it reminds me of an article i was reading about spike lee a film he did yeah. back in 13 called um old boy and yeah. uh he it was a redo of like a korean no. a korean film yes. i haven't seen it yet but he was uh, very upset and the, and the lead actor because they did this this you know film they shot it and did the cut and then the studio came was like we don't like the cut and basically the studio recut it a different way 
and he made them take you know 40 acres and a mule out of it he was just like you could just put spike lee but he was so upset you know and that type of thing doesn't happen when you're an independent filmmaker you know whatever cut you 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 create and and, and whatever you edit in premiere that's what goes up on the screen you know and that's and that's exactly why he's doing all the stuff he's doing for amazon and netflix and and stuff like that because he has now complete freedom to do whatever the hell he wants and he's got the money to now he's getting a budget to do it with yeah like why why wouldn't you and by the way that movie if uh, i've never watched his his version of it because um to try to remake old boy yeah uh because i was at sundance when old boy premiered with the director from korea there oh wow and and you saw when you saw old boy you just go on it was like an explosion going off that movie is so effed up. <laughs> it is so effed up. Like I walked out with my buddy and we both like, this will never get remade. Like there's no way an American audience will even accept this movie. Yeah. And when I heard that we are remaking it, I'm like, Oh Spike, why'd you do that, man? Don't right, do it. Right. They're right. never going to let it go, man. They're never going <laughs> to let it, never going to let it go where it needs to go. Yeah. And I was right. I was yeah. absolutely right. They never yeah. let it. Go. So yeah, but I, I'm a big Spike fan. She's got to have it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the, the good, great stuff, you know. And he's sort of maintained his, um, you know, kind of like how before you told that story about how um, Spielberg had to go in his pocket and, and get his own money to make oh. Schindler's List. I mean, he had to do the same thing for Malcolm X. You oh know, God! Um, and which to me is one of his master masterpiece films. It is. It's a great. It's a great yeah. film. So, one of the thing, one of the thing, and uh, on on a sub note about Spike, yeah, um, I've been a I've been a, a Spike fan for a long time. I love Spike's movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got Game, uh, a bunch of his other lesser known Clockers, yeah, a bunch of his other lesser known movies. But the um, but what I find fascinating about um Spike's career oh. is that, and this happens to other filmmakers as well, is that you make a movie that's so good mm. that for the rest of your life, people will show up to your movies in hopes that it will be that good again. Uh, yeah, and that happened with the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Do the right thing is a masterpiece. Yeah, it is an absolute masterpiece. I'm not saying, and it's hard. Like you know, look at Tarantino. Yeah, everyone shows up to Tarantino hoping that it'll be Pulp Fiction again. Yeah, and and, and I think not. he's hit it. Yeah, it's, it's it's not, but I think he has other flavors that you know, and Glorious Bastards I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Django Unchained I absolutely loved. Yeah, it was good. Um, it was good, but is it Pulp Fiction? No, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. it's it's tough sometimes for filmmakers when they. Look, John Singleton. Everyone's always hoping yeah. there'll be another Boys in the Hood. Yeah, and he never got back to Boys in the Hood. Yeah, it's true. And he's a very talented filmmaker. But yeah. man, Boys in the Hood was that lightning in the bottle. As, and that was his first film. That's crazy. It's first that thing was, he ever, ever. It's the first thing he directed with a budget outside of film school. It's crazy. And and boom, there you go. <laughs> so it it's. It it's tough sometimes, you know. But yeah. I wish I had these tough problems because all those guys we just talked about have amazing careers. <laughs> I know. And we're like, poor, poor Spike, poor. <laughs> you know, they just <laughs> hilarious. All right, last one. It's a good one. It's a good one to go out on. Number eight, the perfect director is a businessman, a politician, and a creative. Are you stealing my shit? <laughs> it's called research, man. It's called research. <laughs> okay, go for it. Huh? <laughs> I guess you agree with that. All right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was that was the question. That, that, I guess that would be a yes. Yeah, that was that was the absolutely, question. But absolutely, it is right. absolutely yes. A filmmaker, uh, a director, has to be a creative, an artist, a politician. 
and a what was the other one? It was a businessman, a politician, businessman. and a creative. Yeah, Spielberg, yeah. perfect example of that. Yeah, yeah you know, absolutely. you have to be. It's, if you're going to work in the studio system, if you're going to go off and make five thousand dollar movies um, for the rest of your life, then not so much. Um, right. But if you're going to play in, the, if you're going to play in the game, you got to be. Okay. All right. Excellent. 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 That's all I got, Alex. This is great. This is <laughs> great. This is great. This is great. I, I appreciate you, man, coming on, taking the time. You're obviously extremely busy. What are you talking about? I, I recorded four or five podcasts while we were doing this. <laughs> 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 and resourceful and a multitasker <laughs> eating, eating, ramen, eating ramen noodles recording four or five podcasts doing it all organic ramen noodles with uh, <laughs> no, no animal products um, no listen man I, I really appreciate uh, uh that you had me on the show yes and i hope i hope we dropped a few knowledge bombs on yes on people listening and it has been an absolute pleasure and thank you for allowing me to just yap and yap and yap for an hour and 20 minutes <laughs> um, hopefully someone picked up enough out of this but it's been an absolute pleasure man thank you so much and nothing but success to you uh on your on your journey as a filmmaker yes and as your journey as a podcaster and don't forget you've got two years yes thank you <laughs> i got two years alex not, you're, you're gonna be six. <laughs> tell tell the people how they can find you on social media um, you can find me uh, at indiefilmhustle.com dot com, um, and you can find me on social media at uh, at indiefilmhustle dot com for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is ifilmhustle because okay. I mean Instagram had an issue, okay. and um, and uh, and if you want to find anything about the movie about my new movie Ego and Desire, just go to egoanddesirefilm dot com, which uh, has the trailer and all the new stuff that we're going to be pumping out around that. And if you got Hulu, you can watch my first film, This Is Meg, which will be out, I think, until November of 2018. Yes. So it's still going to be free uh, to watch there. If not, iTunes, uh, Amazon, <clears throat> and all your other places you can uh, rent it or buy it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to give my, my sign-off for me, uh, which is the truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs> and I'm out. Amen. Amen, brother. Thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Alex.